Dave and Ryan's movie review, take 10, and action. Everyone loves going to the movies. And while some are amazing, some are awful. Fortunately, we have Dave and Ryan, two guys with nothing better to do than watch movies of today and movies of yesterday. So get your popcorn ready, silence your phones, and relax, because the show is about to begin. Cue Dave and Ryan in three, two, one. It's Dave and Ryan's movie review. Sponsored by Nobody. Welcome in to another edition of Dave and Ryan's Movie Review. And I uh, saw, saw a pretty good movie this week, but I think we're going to have a really good discussion about it because yeah. I didn't enjoy it as much as some other people did, apparently. I'm in the negative on this one. Well, you're a DC fan. Well, that has nothing to do with it, and I wish we would just get over that. <laughs> uh, so we'll talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles a little bit later on. Uh, but first, we got to talk about This Week in Hollywood. Welcome to Hollywood Boulevard, a place of glitz, glamour, and dreams. Just kidding. This place is a dump. That's why Dave and Ryan come here each week. You get the news from Hollywood without fearing for your life on the Walk of Fame. It's This Week in Hollywood. So starting off, we got to talk about some sad news out of Hollywood. Very Um, sad. Actor Paul Rubens dies at the age of 70. Of course, Paul Rubens created the character Pee Wee Herman. Everybody knows and loves him for that. Passed away on Monday, at, sadly, after a private six-year battle with cancer. Um, you know, he spun the success of that character into, I think it started out as a, a comedy special on HBO. I believe so. And then, and, and, then the, and then the movies and then the TV show on CBS and everything. And, of course, he's not without his controversies that he went through in his life, but... Uh, what a great character. And, and all the stories start coming out now from people that you wouldn't even, you know, kind of associate with Paul Rubens. I, I found out the fact that he was roommates at the School of California Arts with David Hasselhoff. Yeah. Of all people. Um, and just other shows that he did and things like that. Do you have a favorite Paul Rubens movie other than you got to take Pee Wee out of it? Uh, one of my, I love Pee Wee Under the Big Top. That's one of my favorite. But. Um, Non Pee Wee, I'd have to say Mystery Men. He played the spleen. The spleen. He was really good in that. You know the one that I liked him in uh, when he was, I believe he was Rutger Hauer's uh, like henchman in the movie Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh yeah, his his famous death scene. <laughs> that, and the, e- and the best part about the death scene is the movie ends <laughs> and, he's and still the credits dying. are rolling and it goes back to him and, and he's still dying. So uh, yes, once again, sad news out of Hollywood uh, as Paul Rubens, uh, Pee Wee Herman passes away at the age of 70. Now, some people may not know who this is, but uh, Stephen Amell gives a master class apparently on how to make friends and influence people. Nobody cares. Because he came out, he's the star of Arrow. He's got a new show that just started its second season. I believe it's on Stars called Heels. I said what I said. And <laughs> we're going to be talking about uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles a little later. He was in the Out of the Shadows movie. He played uh, Casey Jones in that one. Anyways, upset a lot of striking actors calling the strike, and these are his words, uh, myopic and a reductive negotiating tactic. And, of course, that upset a lot of people. So he had to go onto his social media and backtrack his statement a little bit. He said, understandably, there's been a lot of reaction to the comments I made this weekend about our strike. To ensure there is no misunderstanding about my thoughts and intentions, 
I'm providing what I actually said and clarity and context to ensure my feelings aren't unintentionally misinterpreted. We all know sound bites can be taken out of context, and I have too much respect for my fellow union members to not qualify or clarify the record. So here's the thing. Uh, I bet his 12 fans were so proud yeah, of him. Well, he's got more than that. Does but he? anyway, his entire statement can be seen on all of his like uh, social media pages and things like that. But the statement that he made, he knew was going to upset people when he made it. Yeah, he was. he's just looking for attention. So, well, aren't the actors that are striking doing the same thing? No, I think they're looking for money. Well, but they're looking for attention. Same thing. Is it? Yeah, it is. Is it? It is. Is it, Dave? Yeah, it is, Ryan. Is it? Because, you know, they want attention for their work, and that's the way they get attention is they but think they, just that want to get they get paid. They paid for their work. Yeah, so anyway, that, that happened. That's about the only thing that was, you know, any, any kind of movement or anything that was about the strike this week. Uh, also... Uh, just came out at the end of the week. Gal Gadot is apparently working on a Wonder Woman 3 with James Gunn. So Wonder Woman will be part of the DC Universe. Well, it couldn't be any worse than the last one. Right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that the last Wonder Woman movie horrible. was not good. The first one was I'm good. I'm surprised you didn't like it. No, I did not like it. Did the first did? one was good. Why didn't you like it, Dave? I thought the villains were too hinky in that one. Way too crazy and weird. But I, the Flash villains were okay? Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. Are we are we ever going to be done talking about the Flash? Probably not. You need to get some new source material, man. You know, I I liked a movie. Get over it. So <laughs> until Blue Beetle, that'll be a new. Favorite. Yeah, that's the new one. All right, uh, box office weekend over the weekend. Uh, number five, Mission Impossible Seven: Dead Reckoning, ten point six million hits. Uh, one hundred one hundred and thirty nine point one million for the run there. And nice. they also just came out and said that uh, they will not be getting their IMAX screens back from Oppenheimer. They will be running Oppenheimer for an extra week or two wow, on nice. IMAX. Uh, Sound of Freedom, like we say, the little movie that could. Another yeah, $12.8 for a total of 149.3. The movie we talked about last week that I thought was a really good movie. It was. The Haunted Mansion, $24 million for its first opening week. Uh, but when you're going up against Barbenheimer, Oppenheimer did 46.7 <laughs> million, which brings its running total to 174.5. And the queen, the queen, of can't the say box it's office. the king, the queen of the box office, Barbie for her total. And these are just domestic numbers. I want to let people know yep. that 93 million dollars for the week for a total of 351.4 million. And my guess is, come Monday morning, Barbie will be a billion dollar movie. Oh yeah, when we went and watched. Uh turtles this last week there were so many barbie fans there and 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 seeing it for the third and fourth time so it's one of those movies it's got those kind of legs i think is how they say it don't they sassy legs something (laughs) like that so we'll see but uh yeah that's my guess i would say that by monday morning barbie will be a billion dollar franchise uh, so let's t- coming up today, we already talked about it for a little bit. We'll talk about uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the new movie that came out. Um, and we thought that it would be fun with the U.S. government uh, coming out and kind of admitting the existence of extraterrestrials. The truth is out there. The Dave. truth is out there. Finally, I, Boulder and Scully somewhere are very proud of themselves. <laughs> um, we thought it'd be a good time to talk about alien abduction movies. And there are quite a few. And some of them were good, and some of them weren't. And we'll talk about all of those. And then today, we're just going to flat out talk about some movies that you and I think are over 
rated. Our personal opinions. Personal opinion, but I really don't understand my pick. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that later. Uh, but first, before we get into any of that, we got to have an honest movie review. Yes, we do. It's now time for another honest movie review. Today, we go back to 2019 and look at Cats, the musical fantasy based on the Andrew Lloyd Webber stage musical. Tonight is a magical night where I choose the cat that deserves a new life. Going to the ball could get dangerous. Actual functioning adults were given millions of dollars for a budget. They sat in a room and really thought this was a good idea. I watched this movie with my cats, and when it was over, they started barking. Can't wait to speak with you again next week. This movie was just horrible. I I never saw it. Just the things that I've seen of it and the the different stories that I heard, I, I heard that there was actually, they had to spend money going through because the cat's behinds upset people. And they had to digitalize those out. Um, but here's the other thing. You've never seen the movie. I've never seen the movie. No. I have seen the Broadway show. And I will tell you this. What a horrible show. Uh, we, we were just talking about you it before. You mean CGI we, couldn't make it better? CGI could not make it better. We were talking about it before we came on the air. The fact that everybody that wants to go see that show goes and sees it for one song, Memory. And they know. And if you, if you want to go see it, you know who you are. They make you wait. It's like the last song in the show. That's your payoff for sitting through this for two hours. Horrible, horrible song, horrible show. I don't see how it could have been a good movie. It's my own personal opinion. Hey, when we come back, we're going to be talking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. So don't go very far. Everyone on set, shut up. Shut up. These two buffoons are about to talk about a new release. Dave and Ryan's movie review, segment one, action. What's more exciting than a brand new release to the movie theater? According to Dave and Ryan, nothing. They're the first to see it. So you're the first to hear about it. And this week's latest release is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. This latest reboot follows the Turtle Brothers as they work to earn the love of New York City while facing down an army of mutants. Let's see what Dave and Ryan think of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is rated PG and now playing nationwide. All right, so this movie is another movie from Seth Rogen and his buddy Evan Goldberg. Yep. Um... The uh, you know the bu- the geniuses behind uh, Sausage Party. Is that why you didn't and like this? This movie? is the end. No. Is that why you did like this movie? Because you like Seth Rogen so much. Sure. Why not? Okay. Whatever it takes. We'll get to the bottom of it eventually. Um, once again, this movie about an hour thirty nine, so not too bad. We were very impressed with the runtime on this. Movie. Oh yeah. I'm I'm so over the two hour movie. The two hour <laughs> the movie. Three hour stuff, movie. Three hour movie. Um, everything. Uh, starring in this one, Seth Rogen, John Cena, who play Bebop Rock and Rocksteady. Uh, Rose Byrne is in this one. Jackie Chan plays Master Splinter. Ice Cube is Superfly. 
Post Malone is Ray Filet, and I, that was probably my favorite part. Yeah, I loved Ray Filet. Uh, Paul Rudd, probably another part that was pretty good in this <laughs> yeah. one. He just wants to be friends. I with I dig your vibe, right? Uh, Giancarlo Esposito, Maya Rudolph, and I think that that part right there was one main reason to get people into the movie theater. The cast itself is is really good. I'm not oh, going to yeah. take anything away from that. Uh, the animation itself is really good. Yes, I really like the animation. It was, it was a totally different kind of animation. Um, here's the the storyline is the story that we know. You know, they're covered in ooze. Uh, Splinter finds them. They all mutate, and he teaches them how to be ninjas. And he teaches them to hate the human world. And the way they're going to defend themselves against it is by becoming a ninja. Yeah. They- Real funny thing about uh, Splinter is after they evolve from the ooze, he's got like a 1970 mustache. It's just, it's just and he hilarious. haven't had a little, yeah. a little fro going on, <laughs> yeah. I believe. I believe. Uh, the other thing, I, I love Jackie Chan in that role. I, I, I thought it was really good. It's just It kind of introduces him to a whole new audience. Yeah, he, you know his uh, Spl- in this movie Splinter it wasn't you know the traditional sensei master you know he was more of a um, a concerned father. He was he was a dad in this one, and um, everything kind of crazily ensues, and they decide they want to be up with the human world and yeah. things like that. They know they that nobody, be normal. yeah, they know that nobody will accept them. Uh, they meet up with April O'Neil, who is uh, trying to discover what's going on in the city. Because April in this one is a high school student. Yes. And she's trying to find out about this crime wave because the prom has been canceled. You find out why she is so adamant about trying to save prom for her high school a little later on in the movie. A little redemption story. A little redemption story for April O'Neil. Um, and of course they, everything kind of rolls together to the big climactic scene. Um, and the, as I told you, the thing that I liked about it, was the animation was really cool, and the fight scenes in it were really, really great as well. And I don't know if it's because of the animation style that they could make them a little faster or, or, or what happened in there. I really liked that part of it. Yeah, the, the, the fight scenes were really cool in this one. You know, I, I kind of like how they blend uh, because th- there was like a montage fight scene where they kind of blended multiple fights together. And it worked because they, you know, it showed them working together as a team. And it was kind of the first time that they've actually, um, you know, went out and fought crime, basically. And and like I said, all they wanted to do was do right and and have everybody love them for, yeah, for the turtles heroes. that they are. They wanted to be heroes on a half shell. <laughs> Turtle power. Well, something <laughs> like that. Um, where the movie fell flat for me is... And I was very, very, you know, told adamantly that, you know, well, then this movie just was not for you. Well, I I tend to disagree with that. However, it fell flat for me because it didn't have the shtick that the turtle, the mutant ninja turtle movies had the early ones. It didn't have the shtick. It didn't have the the cracks. It did have some elaborate on that. It did have some. Well, they were just. They were more evolved, I guess, maybe in the in the older movies. I don't know. They were, what, 15, 16 in this one? Yeah, in, in this one, they're definitely high school age. I, I actually like that about it. Like, uh, like they were basically like modern age kids today. You know, they, they, they spoke all the slang that the kids use today. I can't believe I just said that. Get off my lawn. But, uh, yeah, you know, they talk like teenagers do today. You know, they use a lot of modern reference, pop culture references when they were talking. So, you know. Like, you know, as I said, this movie wasn't really 
geared towards, you know, me and you, you know, being, you know, we're not teenagers. This this is probably going to be re- a really good movie between the ages of 13 to 26, I believe. But here's the other part of that. Okay, if it's not geared towards me, and I, 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 the movie was okay as far as I'm concerned, but everybody else, the, the early reviews on this movie are through the roof. I mean, we're talking a, I believe it's 94% critic score and audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. One of the rare instances in which the critics and the audience agree. And I just, I, this is a new generation turtle. I get that part yeah. of it. But it just it, it fell short for me in that aspect because it didn't feel to me and that's fine like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. That's fine. Um, the the as I said, the animation style was cool. The action in it was cool. Uh, some of the pop culture references were were interesting and funny. <laughs> yeah. uh, apparently, the Seth Rogen and uh, Evan Goldberg have a serious Jones for Avengers yeah. and Mark <laughs> Ruffalo. Um, because there's a lot of Mark Ruffalo references yes, in yes, this. There is. Uh, the other thing that we kind of talked about yesterday too is there were parts in this movie that happened, and I'm like, yeah, I've seen this before. And the first scene is where the the contraption that Superfly builds is destroyed, and it and it slowly just kind of rolls into the river in a warehouse in New York City, and I'm like. <laughs> Where was Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst in this one? They could have saved that. They were out eating pizza. Something like that. The other one, an, <laughs> amazingly, it's another Spider-Man reference. It was from the Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield. And where the city turns and decides, you know what? These guys are helping. So let's all get together and let's help them. Okay, that was something we saw in that movie. So I gave this one three buckets of popcorn. I, I know you liked it more. I may have not liked it as much as three buckets, but you know, I, I, I teetered on this one to between two and a half and three because it just didn't appeal to me. And I know that I am not the target audience, but you know what? There are dads my age that are going to be taking kids to this. And, and really I didn't see a lot in there for, for people that were my age that may be taking their kids or their grandkids, whatever. <laughs> But it just it didn't like light the fu- the fires for me as far as a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie went. The other thing, and we talked about this as well, the other thing that frustrated me about it is you had all of these characters in it that were villains in the main series and the main movies and things like that, and now they're all working together. So how's that going to work? Yeah, that was a very interesting uh, twist. Um you know, back in the day, watching the cartoon and reading the comics, you know, most of those people were bad, but some they do. Some of them do have a good tendency. Um, but yeah, like you said, uh, a lot of the main uh, characters uh, are, are good at the end of this one. But um, going back to where uh, you talked about, um, you know, I I don't have any kids. You you do, so you know the whole you know bringing your children to the movie or grandchildren to the movie. I can, you know, I see uh, like fathers bonding with their children over this because they like turtle, you know, he, the father liked the turtles, Ninja turtles, Mm -hmm. and he's introducing it to his kids. And this, this one is for him. So it'd be kind of like a bonding and they can go back and watch the previous movies. But see, and, and the point I was trying to make is that for me, there are some nods to the original movies. We do get Ninja rap in there. Yes. <laughs> From uh, Vanilla Ice. We get that in there. 
But I just, uh, for me, okay, this is just me speaking. I don't think that there was enough, and I hate to use that word. I, I don't know as though there was enough fan service paid to those that like the original Turtle movies. I, I will agree. There was not a lot of fan service, but I don't think that's what they were going for, for fan service. I think they were trying to... I know there have been, you know, multiple um, reboots of the Turtle franchises over the last years, but um, this one, I believe, is uh, kind of set in its own little universe. You know, it's because the storyline with the other ones, totally different. All the bad guys are good now. So I think um, I think they are set to make a second one. They are. There is an end credit scene. Uh, so okay. I, I think... It'll be interesting to see what they do next with it. Yeah, there is an end credit scene with a villain that everybody that knows anything about the Turtles will be, is in. And I'm just going to leave it at that. And it kind of sets up the story for the next movie that we will eventually get. Yeah. So, uh, as I said, I gave this one uh, three popcorn buckets. How did you fall on this one? I gave this one four buckets. So, once again... Go see this movie. Have fun with it. That's what it is. I didn't enjoy it, but that doesn't mean the next person won't. Yeah, go go in with an open mind. Absolutely. So if that doesn't, you know, kind of float your boat there, so to speak, at the and see how I segued right into that. Yeah. Also at the King Cole Theater this weekend is the Meg Two, the Trench, and we will review that movie next week. Yay. Also. The Unstoppable Barbie is still at the King Cole yep, Theater. Going strong. And at the Price Theater this week, it is still the Haunted Mansion. Go check that one out. Go check out any of these movies. Kind of run the gamut. I think they have enough of a variety for kind of everybody to go see. Take the family out and, and go see a movie this weekend, right? Exactly. All right. Coming up, we're going to be talking alien abduction movies. Crazy. Yeah. Hey, idiots, we're back from commercial. Dave and Ryan's movie review, segment two, and action. Here's the age-old question. Are we alone in the universe? Recent news reports say that the government is well aware of non-human biologics. At one time, I was certainly a non-believer. But if I'm being honest, I'm not so sure Ryan is human. Regardless, Hollywood has let our imaginations run wild for quite some time. And because of that, we've seen some downright terrifying, ridiculous, Yikes! funny, and gut-wrenching moments involving creatures from outer space. There are some that claim they've been abducted by aliens. And whether you believe it or not, the stories are terrifying. So for this segment, let's focus on alien abductions. Dave, be careful. I will try. I will try. Uh, yeah, yes, as, as the federal government has come out and kind of, uh, they didn't call them aliens, but they're kind of acknowledging that there is something else out there. So uh, we thought it would be good to go through and, and talk about some, you know, alien movies, alien abduction movies, because let's face it, the alien abduction movies are always the scariest of the whole alien genre. I mean, yes, Alien, the movie series is a totally different thing. It's a totally yeah. different animal. Uh, another one we probably won't touch and talk about in this one is E.T. Okay. Although E.T. wasn't extraterrestrial. Yeah. I'll give him that. We're, we're fo focusing mainly on movies that take place on Earth. 
and they either abduct, kidnap, or do experiments or, you know, bad things towards humans. Very, very good. Very good explanation. So the first one that when we first started talking about this, I'm like, that's the first one that comes to mind because I remember being a five-year-old kid when Close Encounters of the Third Kind came out. And, of course, Richard Dreyfuss uh, plays a guy from Indiana. I believe he was an electrician who claims that he was abducted. And he's brought back to Earth, and then he starts having these visions. And I, for some reason, I don't know why it always sticks out in my mind, but I can remember vividly him carving the mashed potatoes yeah, into mashed Devil's potatoes. Tower. I was going to say, a mashed potato mountain. Right, and then it kind of uh, morphs into uh, really a diorama. you gotta handle, You got to hand it to him for his skills with his trees and everything in his front room. And it really boils down to the fact that uh, he, he wants to know more about the visitors, and he really says, I'm not going to rest until I know that they are real. Um, what everything had to do with this movie was, was Steven Spielberg, written, directed by Steven Spielberg. And I think that we need to also talk about the fact, uh, the score by John Williams. Oh, yeah. It I was think amazing. everybody remembers that. Yeah. It was an amazing, amazing movie. Terry Garr is also in this movie. As I was revisiting it, she's like the only other person other than Dreyfus that I even recognize in this movie. But that's kind of the movie that, for me, set the standard of, of you know, alien abductions and are we alone in the universe and, and those that, kinds that of really things. That really wasn't a, really an abduction movie. Well, it was, but it wasn't. Because that's what got the whole ball yeah, rolling. Yeah, they, they kind of freely went in the end. Well, he did, yes. Yeah. Yes. The first time, he did not. Yeah, true. So, uh, so, but this is a really good movie. If you've never seen it, you know, take the time and watch it. It's it's amazing, and I think the more amazing part of it is, you also need to realize how old this movie is. Yes, and the special effects that are in this, and everything that that Spielberg came up with, and and once again, as I said, uh, John Williams is the maestro for a reason. This was before CGI. Yeah, and it's just it's haunting the music from that. And it's, it's really a really good movie. Uh, the second one, I think, falls more in line with what you were trying to talk about. And that is Fire in the Sky. Okay, This one came out in 1993. It's based on a true story. The guy's name is Travis Walton. He was a logger in Arizona. And, he, and his buddies were leaving a site one night. He swears that there was a light. The truck stopped. He walked towards the light. And he disappeared. Well, that's that's his problem, you know. Of course, oh, walk towards the light. You never walk towards the light, right? Especially like at the end of Poltergeist. Yeah. Remember what they said. But the funnier thing about this is, people don't really believe. As I said, this is a true story. People don't really believe it because I guess like two weeks before he came out and said this, there was a documentary on like one of the main channels about the hills and they talked about their abduction and they were abducted by aliens and everything like that and his stories and theirs kind of lined up a little bit so people started trying to discredit him as much as possible even though every man in that crew and there were seven of them including him all passed polygraphs and they at they believed the same thing they all said the same thing that he was abducted that he was he was just there and then he was not um, well, that could mean a lot of things. That's true. He was gone for five days and six hours. You, you, you know, um, 
this reminds me of a a story I I was reading when we were doing when I was doing research about a about a story that happened just uh, just up the canyon. I'm not sure where exactly it was. It was just right up uh, around the Spanish Fork area where a guy. This was like in I believe it was '84. Um, he was sitting in his uh, mother's basement with his child. And an alien appeared in front of them and asked if he can abduct his son. And he was like, oh, only if I can go so the son's not scared. And then they floated through the wall and through the ground. And then the spaceship had blue and red flashing lights. Man, you were on LSD getting arrested. <laughs> That's what it was, huh? This, this, you know, in this movie, he probably went on a bender and just forgot everything. So did they all go on a bender? Well, in the movie, it states that they didn't like the guy. Right. Well, and that was true. There, there yeah. was two or three people in that crew and that didn't like him. And you said they did a polygraph where he, he, they said he was just gone. Yeah, that could mean he just didn't show up to work for those days. Well, that's true, and it's it's strange that you would bring that up because two of the guys on the crew were actually investigated because they thought that they had killed him and hidden him in one of the slash piles that they were making. So for two or three days while he was missing, uh, Walton's brother actually went up and was going through slash piles looking for his body. Hmm. Um, this movie stars D.B. Sweeney, Robert Patrick, and of all people, James Garner. And if you're going to get a guy to play a small town sheriff in the early 90s, why not James Garner? Yeah, why not? So he, he plays the sheriff of the town. I actually, while I was doing a little research on this, um, he was on two years ago. Travis Walton's the guy's name. He was on a, a, a podcast of the Joe Rogan Experience. And him and Joe Rogan talked for over two hours about this. And it was fascinating, the, guy, the stuff that this guy had to say. So whether you believe it or not, he's got people that will back up his story, even though people don't believe him and think it was a hoax. So. Well, they made a movie. Of course they're not going to you know, disprove the movie. They probably got a little change out of it. Well, I'm sure they did. Uh, another interesting <laughs> side note, piece of trivia for you. Uh, the gentleman that wrote the book with Travis Walton was Tracy Torme. Have you ever heard of Mel Torme? No. He was a singer. That's his dad. He was a singer back in the 50s and 60s, Mel Torme. Just interesting little side note there Fun for fact. you. Yep. Uh, another one that came up when I was looking, Dark Skies. This one came out in 2013. Uh, Carrie Russell, J.K. Simmons. The interesting thing about this one is it deals with an entire family that is, is having lost time and, and you know things like of that nature. And it plays out more like... It's what they were going through plays out more like a possession than an abduction because it's saying that, you know, that there were things that happened that they were, that they did. They don't recall doing them, but they swear that it was, you know, somebody from better, outer space. They better call the Pope's exorcist for this one. Maybe <laughs> Russell Crowe is looking for work. I've heard. Well, maybe he can't work right now. Uh, true. He might not be able to, uh, but another one. And that's, that's the strange thing about this one is they, they always try with these alien abduction stories to make you think that it really happened. Have you noticed that? Yeah, they, well, you kind of have to with these type of, you know, drama sci-fi movies. You know, you get, they have to have a little grain of truth so you, you know, so you get scared. Well, and that, Otherwise, you're just watching it going, oh. That makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. Uh, this one came out in 2009. It was called The Fourth Kind. It starred Mila Jovovich. Uh, and Will Patton was the sheriff in town. It takes place in a small town in Alaska where, truth be told, there were people that had actually disappeared from that town that nobody saw again. Okay. 
Uh, the disclaimer at the beginning of the trailer for this movie said that it was based on actual case studies, even though a, a newspaper in the area uh, did research on it, couldn't find any of this stuff going on. And it, uh, it's all about uh, Jovovich is a psychiatrist, and she videotaped sessions of people that left and, and came back and were gone for some time, and they talk about what happened to them and, and those kinds of things. Um, the, the strange thing about this movie is caused quite a little bit of a stir in Alaska, in that area, because the people that had family members that actually did disappear, they felt like they were making light or making fun of their situation. And it was also um, in, in Alaska where there, it, is, it is native Inuit people. And there was not any talk or any recollection or anything about that. So it, it's kind of a, and it's a scary movie. It truly is. If you look it up, it says that it's a thriller and suspense. And, and horror movie. So uh, so there's that one. And then we're going to wrap it up with a movie that just came out last year. And my daughter and I watched this one. It's called Nope. And it's uh, Jordan Peele. It's about two kids whose dad was actually killed in one of these interesting phenomenon, so to speak. Yeah. And the they take over the family farm and they start noticing strange things happening on the yeah. farm. Have you I, seen I, this I one? Re- I really like the trailer on this one. There's so many, so many good trailer uh, uh, shots on the trailer where he's riding the horse through the the little uh, the wavy flag things, and then uh, you got uh, the guy from uh, The Walking Dead in his little cowboy suit doing yep. his little dance. Yeah, yeah. I haven't it, seen the movie. I want to. It starts out really list. weird because uh, the gentleman you're thinking of is Stephen Yen, or, yeah, and he plays uh, a character that owns kind of a wild west town. That's kind of a tourist town, but he was a TV actor and it starts out really strange. And I'll just, I'm going to leave it at that <laughs> because it's, it's, it's just a strange, strange turn of events that happened to him when he was young. Uh, the movie itself though, it was not bad. I, I actually liked it. Um, kind of an interesting take on a story because the clouds were what was hiding the UFOs. You couldn't see them because the, the, the clouds, it was, they were using the clouds as cover. So you didn't know that they were there until they wanted you to know that they were there. So that one was kind of cool. A few other ones that I kind of threw out to you. Uh, one, and this one I still have not seen to this day. It just sounds interesting to me, but uh, it's because I'm a superhero geek. Is the movie Brightburn. This is by James Gunn. And it really, it doesn't come out and say that it is. But it really kind of investigates and delves into what if, what if, Clark Kent, what if Superman came to our planet and was not sent as a friendly? So that one that one seems interesting to me. Yeah, it, it sounds a little DC-ish to me. Really? Because <laughs> Superman's a DC character. How'd yeah. you figure that one out? <laughs> I didn't even see you reach for your phone. Uh, the Forgotten. This one's with well, Julianne that's why, Moore. That's why I brought it up because it was DC kind yeah. of based. The Forgotten is with Julianne Moore. And it's one of those movies that this is where, like, there's a dark faction working in the government that deals with people who have had people that have been abducted. And they try to make her think that she never had a child. The child was abducted. And she meets up with another guy whose child was taken as well. And they start digging around. And, yeah, there's a faction of the government that goes around and cleans these up a little bit. Um, then Signs. you got to talk about Signs, really. That was a good one. That was a good one. It, you know, it, it, the first time you watch it, it's, uh, you know, it's suspenseful, but 
you know, the M. Night Shyamala has kind of fallen off the radar there. He has a little bit. And then Skinwalker Ranch, and that's the deals with up north in the Uinta Basin. That's a story, and it's a terrible movie. Okay? That's all I can say about that <laughs> one. All right, so we're going to get out of this one. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about overrated movies. Yeah, remember, the truth is out there. Somewhere. Everyone shut up. Time to get back to work. Dave and Ryan's movie review, segment three, and action. What does it mean to be overrated? Well, there are films that have varying degrees of okay to good, but they're not nearly as great as their reputation suggests. So pretty much anything starring Kevin Costner, his close friends in Carbon County call him KC, just so we're clear. Oh. Let's cut the awkwardness and just be honest. There are some movies whose popularity we just don't understand. And for your enjoyment, Dave and Ryan are about to talk about two of those movies right now. Well, I'll tell you what, with an intro like that, I, this better be good. And the first movie that the movie that I chose when when I came when the movies when we first started talking about this, let's put it that way. Uh, I two movies came into my mind. And they were both directed by the same guy. Uh. That I just do not understand the 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 draw of these films. And I went with Titanic. This movie, I do not understand it. Okay, this movie came out in 1997. Still has a huge following. You don't, you don't. So it's a movie about a boat. Okay, you know what I meant. Crosses the yeah, I know. Atlantic, it hits an iceberg, mm -hmm. and it sinks. Okay, that's that's it. So why did it take him three and a half hours to put a movie on? It was a big boat. Okay, <laughs> so it came out in 97. Uh, IMDb is in love with this movie. 7.9 out of 10. 88% uh, critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. 69% audience score uh and it's made bank let's put it that way 2.2 billion dollars worldwide on a 200 million dollar budget of course we had leonardo dicaprio and kate winslet paint me like one of your french girls yes uh billy zane kathy bates was in this movie and still to this day it's in the top five all time of worldwide grossing movies yeah well you, it's you gotta realize you know it's not just the movie you know Yes, Leo was in it, but um, the song that goes with it. Britney Spears did a little spoof of the song. You know it's a good movie when art pop artists are making spoofs of your... Well, not necessarily spoofs, but kind of spins you, you gotta of get, the movie. I, I get that part. Uh, but as I said, 26 years later, I still don't understand the draw of this movie. It does. I don't get it. Um, now, we all know that it really is, for the time that this movie came out... It was a technological masterpiece, and it's by James Cameron, and you would expect nothing less. Exactly. Okay. Uh, he actually has made 33 trips to the Titanic wreckage site. Started in 95 when he went down to get footage for this particular I, movie. I remember hearing about okay. that. Um, now, at its core, we all talk about the fact that uh, it's a love story. Yep. Okay. We have, uh, and, and by the way, for, if you're wondering, Jack could have fit on that door. Mythbusters did an entire show about it. Jack could have fit on the door. Uh, the funny thing, though, that I found was in an interview once, Cameron was asked, why didn't Rose make room for Jack on the door? And he simply answered, well, the answer is very simple. It's because it says on page 147 of the script that Jack dies. So 
There, there, there you go. I, and, and like I said, I understand you got a love, a love story for the ladies. Mm-hmm. And the special effects in this movie were off the chain. They really were, uh, as we were talking about today. Uh, the, when, the, when the Titanic hits the iceberg, you still have an hour and a half left of this movie. Yeah, and that, that kind of threw me because I was like, an hour and a half? I thought there was like maybe 45 minutes. Well, a very wise man told me it's a big boat. It is a, it is a very big boat. And, and I think that's the other thing, too. And yes, we all know what happened to the Titanic. The Titanic. But I, I don't know for a fact, but it could be one of the first times we saw on the screen what actually happened. Yeah. Does that make sense? Uh, you know, we saw it go up in the air and break in half and all those things. Um, it looks really cool. That part of the whole movie from, you know, if you wanted to start it at, at, with an hour and a half left, that's probably the best part for me. The best part of the movie. And it's not because everybody died. It's because, <laughs> start, at, start at the iceberg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just because there are so many cool things that happen in that movie technologically that Cameron has come up with. And by the way, the other Cameron movie that I was actually thinking of doing was Avatar. And we're going to save that for another day. <laughs> but I just I don't understand this movie. I don't get the draw of it. Yes, I've seen it. Uh, there is just well, kind well, of a. What, what, what did you did you like Oppenheimer? I did. That was a kind of a historic event movie. This is kind of a historic event movie with a love story attached to it. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that I didn't really think was necessary. I could have saved James Cameron a lot of money in an hour off of this well, movie. If, if, there wasn't, if there wasn't the love story, what would the movie be about? It would just be a boat floating on the water, hits an iceberg, and sinks. That's what, what else could the movie, what, what would you have liked the movie to have been? Instead of if the love story was off the table, what would it be about? I would have liked to have seen more of the backstory and the history of why it was built who and the people that built it. Yes, they're there. But there's also a story that needs to be told, and, and it's from documentaries that I've seen, about the captain of the Titanic. Because quite honestly, if you go back and you look, they did a big inquiry on this. He should have not even been at the helm of that ship. So, so you would have liked it to have been about the captain, which I can understand in today's kind of cinematic universe, that movie being going over and doing well. Oppenheimer is a great example of a story about an individual who created something. But back in 97, when this movie came out, that movie would not have done well about the captain. But But. this one did well. And like I said, I, it, I, I think it, goes right down that line because you had something for everybody in this movie. Yeah. You really and truly did. Uh, that just, I still don't get it. I still don't. And that does not mean that if I'm flipping through the channels and it's on, I will watch it because you got to watch for that scene right there. Yeah. The king of the world scene yeah. because everybody does it. Yeah. Dave, you're going to have like a million girls outside waiting for you to jump you on your way to your car. It's all right. It's all right. I'm 50 some years old. I'm safe. All right. What do you got? My movie, and I'm going to go off a lot of flack for this, is Pulp Fiction. What country you from? What? What? what ain't no country I ever heard of. They speak English and what? Again. Say what one more Say time. Say what again. Uh, I honestly don't know why everyone thinks this is uh, one of the greatest movies ever made. For me, it just doesn't do it. You know... Dave, I'm going to ask you. You've seen the movie, yes? Dave. Can you tell me what it's about? It, I honestly, I think it means different things to different people. The one thing that I wanted to know about was what's in the briefcase. 
So the whole movie revolves around uh, John Travolta's character, Vince, his last day on of living. Now, is that your interpretation or is that? No, that's what the movie is about. So you talk to Quentin? I know you guys are tight. <laughs> well, let, let, let's go. Let's go. No, the I, scenes. I, I, I get so, what you're saying. You know, in his day. The uh, the way uh, Quentin Tarantino filmed this, it's not in order. It's no. sporadic. You get different stories at different times. But let's let's look at what he did during the day. So he uh, took his boss's wife out, had kind of a little romantic thing with her, you know, dancing and all that. Saved her from an overdose. Uh, he executes a friend, uh, uh, a guy with his best buddy Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, which we just heard <laughs> uh, right before. Um, he uh, kills his informant on accident. He gets robbed. He uh, captures a boxer who broke his deal with his boss about throwing a fight. And then he gets careless and he gets shot because he forgot his gun. The whole movie revolves around Vince. The movie is about him. Okay. If that's what you, but like I said, I think honestly, tell, tell me what else it's about. It is, a, it is a Quentin Tarantino movie. They're all weird. Yeah, but they're in every it's single so movie. It's always about one person. Django and Chain. It was uh, uh, Fox's character in Kill Bill. It was um, Uma Thurman. Uh, Uma Thurman's character. This one is about Vince. And that's fine, but everyone gives it way too much credit about it being. And I just don't get it i don't like it you know i like some of his other movies quentin tarantino is a good director he does have a very good style that i like but this movie just doesn't do it for me and i've gotten in arguments with people who just absolutely love this movie and i don't know why and i just want to slap them well i think we had the conversation when we were talking about this movie is the fact that it came out at a time where it was a kind of a different movie that makes sense. Is that yeah, it, you know, the it element? came out in the '90s. There wasn't a whole lot. You know, we had some. The only other gangster type of movies there were. You know, there was Casino. Um, there was Goodfellas. You know, this movie was more edgy than those ones. It was. You know, you know, if you know Tarantino's work, he's got that certain kind of I don't give a beep attitude when it comes to filmmaking, and it's does he will kill a character just for the fun of it and this is you know this was kind of that grungy movie and there were a few um knockoffs or uh, people trying to kind of grab that uh in a bottle and remake it and uh we talked earlier you know two smoking barrels is the best one that came close to kind of matching this one but even two smoking barrels isn't one of my favorite movies yeah, and, and ter- like we said, Tarantino, great director. I loved Reservoir Dogs. I think you, yes, you said yes. the same thing. Reservoir Dogs is one of my favorites. It was a great movie. But, you know, Pulp Fiction does it for some, and it just doesn't do it for others, I guess. Yeah. Does that seem fair? Yeah. I'd, honestly, I'd rather watch uh, Till Dust Till Dawn. <laughs> oh, that's, that's for, that, once again, is another story yeah. for another day. He made that movie so he can kiss... Um, um, Selma Hayek? Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, what are you going to do? We'd all make that movie. (laughs) All right, we're running out of time, so that's going to do it for us. Uh, Go see a movie this weekend. Go have some fun, and we'll talk to you again next week. 
And that brings us to the end of this week's journey. But don't worry, Dave and Ryan have more movies to watch and more opinions to spew next week. You'll be the first to hear Dave and Ryan's opinion on the return of The Meg. We'll introduce a new segment where four movies enter and only one survives. You can relive and download today's episode at CastleCountryRadio.com. We'll see you next week on Dave and Ryan's Movie Review. That's it. That's a wrap. See you next week.